Jesus. Amen, amen. You may be seated. So what I'm going to do this evening is I'm going to, I left out last Sunday, last Wednesday night, I kind of got carried away and and I stopped a couple of points short. We were talking about the miracle of the cross and I really didn't get, I talked about the miracle of love and we kind of hung up right there and uh, I didn't finish that thought and, and my wife and I were talking about it. I uh, whether or not I should go on to the next miracle next week, I want to talk about the miracle of community. But we decided that after talking about it a little bit that we thought that these next two points were valuable enough that I want to come back and it, it does us well to think on these things. Amen. It does us well to consider these things, the miracles that it took for the cross to take place. The first miracle there were two more miracles i wanted to talk about last week that i didn't get to but the first miracle was the miracle contained in the person who was hanging on that cross the mighty god the ancient of days the one who was and is and forever will be god is a spirit and no man hath seen him at any time but Jesus Christ has revealed him. Amen. That man that was hanging on that cross was no ordinary man. He was the eternal God manifest in common flesh. It is the miracle of the incarnation. It was the miracle of God becoming a man. Amen. That man, Christ Jesus, uh, was fully God in every sense of the word. Uh, and he was fully man in every sense of that word. Amen. Every cell in his body uh, was completely human, uh, but was completely divine. Uh, amen. He was the mighty God. Somebody said it this way. In, in the incarnation, uh, God took upon himself something that he had never had before. He added to himself something that he had never possessed before he who was spirit uh, amen made for himself a body and inhabited that body he became a man amen amen the miracle of the incarnation is that he became a man so he could die for my sins you gotta understand that god is a spirit and as such, he could not and never will die. Amen? Spirit's eternal. That spirit is eternal. But the scripture said this is his church that he purchased with his own blood. God became a man so that he would have a body that could die. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5 says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world... He saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. A body hast thou made me. And that body was created by divine design specifically for the day of his death. Somebody said that this way he was born to die. Amen. From the manger at that precious Christmas scene that we love to celebrate so much. And we, we got Mary and Joseph and we've got the, the farm animals and we've got the wise men 
and we've got the shepherds who've come rejoicing. Uh, amen. And we've got that precious baby laying in the straw. Amen. That 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 beautiful scene. You've got to understand uh, that falling across that scene uh, is the shadow of the cross. Uh, amen. From the moment he was born, uh, he was born with the cross in view. Uh, from the moment he was born, uh, he was born to die for you and for me. Amen. That's why the Bible calls it a mystery. The eternal spirit of God was manifest in the flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. Amen. So that a body could die that a body could be pierced uh, for my transgressions, uh, bruised for I, my iniquities, uh, that the chastisement of my peace would be upon him. Uh, amen. That's the miracle uh, that, that, that God would make a body, be manifest in flesh, be incarnate so that he could die for me. It's a miracle of staggering proportions. The infinite became finite uh, i'll say that in a more understandable way for some of you that which could not be contained contained himself in a body that which is beyond your comprehension that is so big you can't imagine that 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 created all that is amen the infinite became finite he went from the eternal and dwelt in the realm of the temporal. The creator entered his creation. God became a man, and he did it just to die. The identity of the one that hung on that cross was certainly a miracle. Amen? That God would love me enough. That God would love you enough. That God would love us enough that he would become a man to die for our sin. The other miracle that I didn't discuss last week that I intended to discuss was the miracle of salvation. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The miracle was not simply that God became a man and died. The miracle was why he died. He died so that I could be saved. He was the only perfectly righteous man to have ever lived. Uh, there was nothing found in him worthy of death. He had never sinned. Uh, amen. There was no sin in him. The curse of sin was not upon him. Death didn't have any authority over him. Uh, but for our sins, uh, he humbled himself. Uh, he willingly offered himself uh, on a cross uh, in, as a substitute. That's the miracle. That not just that God can become a man, but that God can take my place. That he can die for me. That I am like Barabbas. Jesus hung on my cross. Amen. The righteousness of God required that the price of sin had to be paid. And that price could only be paid through blood. It took the shedding of blood. So through the ages... Untold numbers of animals were slaughtered. Blood flowed through all the pages of the Old Testament. But that blood could never satisfy the demand for eternal justice. 
when Jesus Christ came in the flesh, uh, amen, his sinless life uh, provided the needed sacrifice uh, for redemption. He was our kinsman. Uh, he was like us uh, in every way. He was a man uh, except one way he never sinned. Uh, sin had no authority over him. Uh, death had no control in his life, uh, amen. And because of his perfect life, uh, he could take our place. He could die for us. Amen. When Jesus Christ came in the flesh, the sacrifice of his life provided the needed sacrifice for redemption. He died in my place. Though our sins produced a debt that required payment that we could not make, his grace stepped in and met my need. The old songwriter said it this way. I owed a debt I could not pay. But Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt. I want you to consider the miracle of salvation. I owed a debt I could not pay. I could not save myself. But Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. That's the miracle of mercy and grace. That's the miracle of salvation. And it's a miracle that is unlike any other in the history of the world. Amen. It's a miracle unlike any other that the Creator humbled Himself, took upon Himself the form of His creation. He became a servant. He became a slave. The Greek word there is a slave. He humbled himself unto death, even the death of the cross, so that you and I could be saved. The Bible goes on to say, that same passage, second, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse, uh, probably about verse 8, it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name that at the mention of the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth uh, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm thankful today that I know who Jesus is. Amen. So this is what we decided we wanted to do. I, I know I haven't been lengthy, but I, I'm about to ask my wife to come, and you never know how lengthy she may be. But we want you to consider the miracle of salvation. I asked my wife to tell her testimony of salvation. And, and what we're doing is setting a precedent. Next month for our testimony service, which is March the 25th, I want everybody to be prepared to tell your salvation story. The miracle, he saved me. That's a miracle the whole world needs to hear. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't worthy of it. But he loved me enough to save me. And what he doesn't know is I really am going to try to be short because um, he, he kind of figured us out a little bit when he got here tonight and fixed a cup of coffee. He had to go snooping see who that cake was sitting over there for. So um, we did, Granny, since his birthday was on a Wednesday this year, she wanted to go ahead and get a cake and 
do some coffee punch and some marinated sandwiches, and then one thing leads to another, and before you know it, the snack bar is full of little treats and whatever. So we do have that in the back, and we will be going back there in just a few minutes. But I was thrilled to think about my life and how did I know that I needed the Holy Ghost? How did I know that I needed saved? How did I know that salvation needed to happen to me? And so while I have kind of put my thoughts on paper a little bit, and I'm going to read it a little bit, I also wanted to say, because I really didn't dwell on this side till I kind of got to thinking tonight when you said, you know, kind of thinking about death and being a little melancholy. I was like, you know, I really didn't say anything about s being s sad or that anything bad had happened to me. And I do want you to know that I may have been raised Pentecostal or raised in church, but bad things happened to me. And I can't say that I was in a bubble and that I was always protected because bad things happened to me as a child. Like before I even knew that I needed to get the Holy Ghost, before I even come to the realization of what good and bad was, things had happened to me. So I don't want you to think that, oh, well, her daddy was a preacher and she was raised in church. And so that's why it was so easy because I... There is, everyone has their own story. This is my story from my memories, and I was raised Pentecostal. I remember some grandmas in our church, which was a little one-room building. They had taken a house and took all the interior walls out and made it a, a one-room church. And uh, over the years, we added to it here, there, and yon, kind of like the old building, but we had some ladies that were probably not much older than I am now, but to me, <laughs> they were ancient grandmas. And it was Sister M Grandma Murphy or Nana Murphy, Grandma Simmons, Grandma Wilson, and my grandma, Grandma Harris. And I remember them praying to and testifying about my sweet Jesus. And if I heard that once growing up, I probably heard it a thousand million times. I exaggerate a tad. Um, my grandma Simmons, which no real relation to me, but we all called her that. And in my mind, she was 80-something. I know she was probably 80-something when she died, but from my entire life, I thought she was 80-something. So it's just how she looked and acted and kind of stooped a little bit and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of wrinkles and sunspots and all that kind of thing. And I remember she would shout and dance Pentecostal style almost every service. I'm going to do her style because she, I guess, maybe had an equilibrium problem, maybe some inner ear issues or something. I kind of know that now, but then I didn't know that. But she um, would hang on to the end of the pew like this, and she would shuffle, woo, woo, just like that. She really couldn't do a whole lot, wasn't real rhythmic or whatever, but it would happen just at different times. It might be somebody singing something about Jesus. It might be the preacher preaching something. If he said something about a miracle or how awesome God was, all of a sudden, Grandma Simmons would jump up, grab it in that pew, and there she'd go. And she might do it for two minutes. She might do it for ten minutes. She might still be doing it when we were turning the lights out to go home. Just depended on whatever it was in the spirit she was feeling. So I have to say that she prayed over everything. Whether it was 
her kids when we went to her house, literally, from the baseboard to the ceiling, a stretch probably all the way down to that one, but except it was a corner, was full of pictures. Her kids, her grandkids, her great-grandkids, her brothers, her sisters, their kids. That was her prayer wall. And every morning she'd get up and point her finger at those pictures and pray over them in Jesus' name. But my grandma Simmons, she also prayed for her pigs, for her cats, for her chickens, for her plants, and anything else that she thought needed prayer. For your car, if it wouldn't start. If you said something about not having enough money, she'd put her hand on your purse or tell you to hand her, her your wallet, and she'd pray. She was fearless because she knew her sweet Jesus. I remember folks so poor that they paid the pastor tithes with homemade canned goods and farm fresh eggs. I don't think we would mind that. <laughs> and I remember revivals, three weeks revivals, six-week revivals, every night, no rest nights. I remember if we weren't having a revival in Bono or in our section, driving to other sections in other towns, other states to go to revival services. And my favorite was Brother Robert Bear. My dad used to say, when you've had a bad day, put on a tape of Brother Robert Bear because it's like taking a bear aspirin. It'll make you feel better. But he could quote the Bible chapter and verse. You could say Judges 4.19. He could just say it. You could say Mark 9.21. I'm hoping that's really chapters and verses in the Bible. But anyway, and he could just tell you what it was. I guess, you know, Acts uh, 2.39. I know there is 39 and 40 and 41. So what is that number that you get to where there's no more in Acts 2? Because you're supposed to go be that. Yeah, something like that. Or Jude chapter, yeah, 2. Whatever. Anyways, but he could quote the entire Bible. He was a brilliant man, and he was anointed. If there ever was a man in my lifetime that I would think that is the Apostle Paul, it was him. He was so smart. Not only was he, I think he must have been, like had that photogenic mind or whatever, because he could quote encyclopedias and law books and everything else, not just the Bible. And so he, if you, you were not going to win if you were going to debate with him and ask him about the oneness of God or the church or or. Catholicism or Ju Judaism, he would he knew he knew their history better than they knew their history, and I was just like, oh, wow! And I'll never forget. I'm trying to need to stick to this, or I'll go everywhere. Um, whenever I was a young girl at one of those revivals, my uncle he wanted to have a tent meeting like the old time days, so he'd put up a big tent. We had Brother Barry in. That's back when they still had the little a gas station thing with the fish joint inside it there in, at uh, Lepanto, and the people went to the church there. Uh, and so after church, they went down and hooked up the fryers and was frying fish and everything for Brother Bear and everyone. And, of course, Mama has me waiting on everybody. Can I fill your tea glass? Can I get your water? Can I do this? You know, Granny's got me running around doing whatever I can. 
and help. And Brother Bear grabbed my hand when I brought his water to glass to him. And he said, blessed are the hands that deliver water to the anointed. And then he told me the verse to go look it up because it's really in the Bible. And I read that, and you know what? Every time these old hands get tired or get hurting, I think, wait. There was a prophet of God, a man of God. He said, blessed are these hands, these hands that I don't sometimes like, and I get mad and frustrated because they get all swollen and they hurt. But I took a man of God some water, and these hands are blessed. Oh, man. Whoa, I got too big of a salvation story. Anyways, um, so I remember those revivals far and wide. And so if you think you're taking your kid to church too much, you're not. Uh, just throw that in there. I remember songs like, every Sunday morning, my sweet uncle, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Now, Brother Ryan knows why I don't know how to sing all these new songs. <laughs> That's ingrained. That's the soundtrack of my mind there, you know. And then, everybody, and they gave me a tambourine. So here I am, this little bitty kid, and I don't know what beat I was keeping. But anyway, everybody will be happy over there. Probably 15 tambourines in the church. I don't know. But we made a lot of noise, and we got happy about going to heaven. And then I remember, this is when I started thinking about, hey, there's all these people, and I love them. But I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Nana Murphy was teaching Sunday school, and our Bible verse was Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And I was like, every one of you. Hey, wait a minute. Now, y'all remember I've told you before, it took me till I was like in my teenage years to remember to realize that afternoon was because it's after noon. Isn't that amazing that the reason you say, hey, let's do this in the afternoon is because it was noontime and now it's after that noon. Hello. You know, so I just, I just, I don't know. I Maybe I'm very, very simple-minded. Yeah. And so when, when I had to memorize that Bible verse and say it back to Nana Murphy, I was like, wait, that says everybody, all of us. That means the little kid that's running around playing and doing her own thing, that's Angie. I need to be baptized. Daddy, Daddy, I want to be baptized. Daddy, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. Can I get baptized? Are you sure? Are you? Uh, Daddy, Daddy, I want to be baptized. In Jesus' name, it says right here, I've got to be baptized. And I got baptized. And I thought, me, I believe. I'm a believer. I study the Bible. I'm starting to memorize. I'm going to Sunday school. Well, I thought I'd have got the Holy Ghost just like that. But I didn't. And I remember service. After service, after service, after service of coming to church in between 7 and 9. And for two years, that don't seem like much now. But then it was like an eternity. And I'd come to the altar, and I'd cry, and I'd pray. And I remember my aunt telling me, quit licking your lips. Just let the Lord do it. And I remember somebody else saying, it's, Jesus wants to give you the Holy Ghost. He wants to do it. And I just, I couldn't. I, there was, I don't know. I, 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 I thought I wanted it. And I would cry. And I would, ooh, I'd get so close. And 
then it was like my teeth clenched down, and I, 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 I just couldn't. But then there was one Sunday evening, afternoon, <laughs> that we had all come back to church for evening service, and I was nine years old, and my uncle and all of us were standing kind of in the foyer of the church, but the door was open, and the clouds were so gorgeous. Have you ever seen the day where the God beams shine through? Or that's what we call them when the sun's filtering through the clouds. And there was one cloud that was so big and so huge. Like it, it looked like that everybody in church could just jump up there and be standing on top of that cloud. And so my uncle, he said, well, you know, and he poked me on the shoulder. I was walking through. He pointed at the cloud. He said, that could be the cloud that he comes back on. Now, I'm not exactly for positively sure, but I think probably that song was out about then. This could be the cloud he's coming back on. And I'm sure our young people were singing that. So I th And I thought, oh, that could be the very one. I've been baptized in Jesus' name, but I need the Holy Ghost. And you got to think about it. Here I am, this nine-year-old girl. Do we really pay attention to the kids and what they're thinking? But here I was, nine years old. I don't know what everybody else was talking about. I know that the musicians were up there, you know, getting a, by the drums and getting with the guitar and getting the piano going. And church was fixing to start, but I couldn't help it. Something came over me that <laughs> I've got to have the Holy Ghost and I've got to have it right now. And I just tore down to the altar area, and I hollered as loud as I could. I said, hey, y'all. I didn't use proper English. <laughs> hey, y'all, I need the Holy Ghost. And I remember throwing up my hands, and my uncle shushed everybody and said, this young lady's serious. She wants the Holy Ghost. And he come over there, and he said, baby, what is it? And I said, you said that could be the cloud. Jesus is coming back on it. I don't have the Holy Ghost, and if I don't get the Holy Ghost, I won't get to go get on that cloud and go to heaven. I've got to have it. And he said, well, you raise your hands, and you believe when my hand touches your head, the Holy Ghost is going to come all over you. I raised my hand, and his hand touched my head. It's standing over here. I was at the side of the altar area. The piano was behind me, and the church is out here. And I remember going weak all over my body and a sound like a mighty rushing wind that I could not deny or control come all over my body. And before I knew it, my tongue was going ahead and doing all this for two years when I've been wanting it to do so bad. It was speaking in an unknown tongue, not by my power, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. I have never been the same since. Did I do bad things after that? Oh, yeah, I did. And can I say that I was always a sweet princess? Well, most of the time. But anyway, I have a salvation story that nobody can take away and it was such a strong experience that even though a lot of my friends started doing things that they shouldn't do whether it was clothes they shouldn't wear or places they shouldn't go because that Holy Ghost would speak to me and I would tell my daddy and I'd say daddy I did this but now my 
I feel sad and scared and I can't go to sleep. And he'd say, that's because the Holy Ghost is talking to you. You listen to that Holy Ghost. It leads you and guides you to all truth. Listen to that voice. Don't turn it away. Keep that conscious soft and keep your heart soft and you listen to what God's trying to tell you to do. And so then in Christmas plays, my auntie would write those plays and she would say, now, Angie, you're going to be the angel and I would be the angel and I would have my part. Fear not. Tidings of great joy. And then, you know, every year I had to say, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And she always said for me to pat my shoulder and hunch down like it was heavy. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So when I had a very good friend to tell me, Angie, there's two up there on the throne, not just one. Guess what happened? It was almost Christmas time. It was my time to be the angel again. And when I, wait a minute, this is talking about the sweet baby Jesus that's going to be right there in the nativity. That he's the what? What did it say again? He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father? Well, if he's the everlasting father, why does there need to be another one? There don't have, whoa, I see it. I see it for me. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And Jesus is his name. And so I can't say I was perfect. I wasn't. But I kept reading this. And then when I had questions that my daddy wouldn't tell me the answer, my pastor wouldn't tell me the answer, my Sunday school teacher wouldn't tell me the answer, they all pointed me to our day's Google. <laughs> this was Google in our day. The Strong's, and read that next word exhaustive this is true concordance of the bible so when i wanted to know about women cutting their hair i had to look it up and when i wanted to know if ladies could wear what men could wear i had to look it up and if i wanted to know why my friends could go to this place and i couldn't i had to look it up and can i say that i found word for word every single thing that i had a question for no, but I found principles, and I found out that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he doesn't change. And so I started working out my own salvation with fear and trembling, what it takes for Angie to live for and walk with God. And he talks to me, and if that makes us crazy, I'll stay this way. And what he requires of me, it's still the same. As a hundred, a thousand, three thousand years ago. Because I got to do justly. I got to love mercy. I got to walk humbly with God. I've got to be holy like he's holy. I've got to be set apart to live for him not for me. I got to live and realize that for me to live is Christ. 
And if I die, it's actually gain for me. I've got to live for his glory. I've got to understand that this life that I have, these moments of breathing, it's for him, not for me. And back to my grandma's, sweeter as the days go by, I'm there. I'm not quite a grandma yet, although Claire and Madden kind of are helping me get in my preschool years of that. But I will join all my grandmas from my early memories, Grandma Simmons, Grandma Nana Murphy, Grandma Wilson, and Grandma Harris. Oh, my sweet Jesus. Do you know him? And if you don't, I can tell you how. Oh, when you think about your salvation and how he personally talked to you and said you need salvation. Where were you? Who said what? Whose life were you looking at? What story did you hear? What song? What message? And so March the 25th on Sunday evening, several will have a chance to give us their story. And, of course, mine could be added to by pages and pages and pages. But as Granny was trying to keep this a, a surprise, but he was too uh, persnickety and found out, um, and we also had, I had to have him help me pick up the chair. We decided as a church group, what could we do? Not too much money, you know, not quite, m just a little bit more than $100, but to buy him for his birthday. And we went together and we got him a new chair for his office. Because if you ever had to go in there and talk to him, it looks like he's, like if I sat behind the desk, I don't know if I could see over it. Like his chair, the hydraulics has lost its whatever it is. It'll let you down. <laughs> and so we have went together. You'll be able to see that chair that we picked up from Sam's, and that is for your happy birthday. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. We're going to ask you to come up here to the front. We're going to pray for you for your birthday, that you will have a wonderful year.